The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus morning on BetMGM Game Day, but today, pleased to be joining uh, my friends Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth and Joe Osborne of Covers.com joins us to take a look at, wow, we're at week 13 already. We were just talking about this during the break, Joe. Wait, is week, where did the season go? We look up, it's tomorrow's December 1st, we got six weeks of the season left, and man, it's arrived, and here we are, Thursday night, maybe this might be one of the few occasions where the Thursday night game could be one of the better games of the weekend. Cowboys hosting the Seahawks, but we were talking about it earlier. Big spread, nine, nine and a half now. Um, and Dallas is rolling five and one over the last six games as where the Seahawks, they've struggled. They kind of stumbled and, and yeah. fallen, especially as Geno Smith goes. So goes the Seattle offense, three and four the last seven games. Um, how do you handicap this one, and, and what are some of your favorite angles for Thursday night football? I am taking all my eggs and putting them directly in the basket of the Dallas Cowboys here tonight. So there's a couple different ways I like to play them. First of all, I'm going to take them to cover the first half spread minus six and a half. So they've been fantastic in this spot this season. Uh, nine and two ATS in the first half overall, but especially at home. Five and zero oh against the spread in the first half at home. They have a plus 19 first half point margin, guys. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're averaging 25.4 first half points, only allowing 6.4. Uh, I think Seattle's going to have a lot of trouble extending drives in this game. They are awful on third down, 29th in third down offense. They're taking on a Cowboys defense that's second on third down. So they're fantastic in that spot. Uh, the, the offensive line not providing great protection there for Geno Smith. 
So I think uh, Cowboys defense is going to make things very uncomfortable for him. So that's one way I'm going to play them. I'm also going to take the over on the Cowboys team total of 28 and a half. So the Cowboys and my Miami Dolphins, they get a reputation. They get picked on. They say, you know, when you go up against a good team, you can't beat them. Well, Seattle, we're seeing a real version of that as well, specifically with their defense. They're getting lit up whenever they play a good offense this season. Uh, 31 or more points allowed to the Lions, Ravens, and 49ers. Even the Panthers got to 27 against them earlier in the season. So this isn't really a, a good defense. Meanwhile, look at what Dallas is doing at home. This has got to be historic. So they're averaging 41 points per game at home. They've gone over this number of 28 and a half in all five of their home games. Uh, they've gotten into the 40s three separate times at home. And the Dal or Seattle's defense struggles in two key areas. They are awful on both third down and in the red zone. So I think uh, the Cowboys will be able to extend drives. And when they get in close, touchdowns, not field goals. It's interesting when I'm looking at the anytime touchdown market here that the Dallas defense is plus 188. And probably one of the reasons why it's so short is because of what Deron Bland has done, setting the NFL record for most pick sixes in a season. We still have several weeks left. Not necessarily saying that's a good bet, but I am curious, though, with the mistakes that the Seahawks will probably make against this Cowboys defense and the short fields that the Cowboys will probably have. Who are you eyeballing as far as possible anytime touchdowns here? Uh, maybe the defense makes sense, uh, but CeeDee Lamb, that number seems really short to me. Maybe there's someone else sort of on the back end of these skill position players who you might like. Yeah, I would take a look at Tony Pollard. Uh, Seattle's defense is especially bad at defending running backs in the past game. They're allowing the six most uh, receiving yards to running backs this season. Pollard is a guy who is quite active. Obviously, he's their leading rusher. But he's getting quite a few targets here as well, five or more in five of his last seven games. Uh, and like I said, Seattle is awful in the red zone, so maybe we see some dump-offs to him if they get in close. So I think Pollard's going to have a couple of opportunities to score tonight. So, yeah, I think he's a good look here for sure. Speaking of good looks, we're going to go over our contest picks later in the show. But I know that uh, another side that you like is Dolphins minus nine and a half uh, against the Commanders and this awful pass protection that Washington has against this Dolphins offense. I think it's going to be a big problem. What do you like in this matchup? Yeah, let's not sugarcoat it here, guys. Uh, I, I like the Dolphins minus nine and a half. And the reason I like it is the Dolphins offense versus the commander's defense. This is one of the biggest mismatches in the NFL. We might see a repeat of what we saw last week when the commanders went in and played the Dallas Cowboys, who also have a fantastic offense. So this is a matchup between the Dolphins, who are second in scoring, versus the commanders, who are dead last in points allowed. Uh, this Miami defense really coming around they're looking they might be better than miami's offense now just 57 points allowed over their last four games uh commander's defense by the way they've allowed 29 or more points in three straight uh miami doing a great job at pressuring the quarterback they are fifth in pressure percentage commanders have allowed the second most sacks and miami is not a team that plays down to the competition sometimes you got to worry about that right but they haven't been taking their foot off the gas in this situation. They beat the Giants by 15, the Panthers by 21, Patriots by 14. They beat the Jets by 21 last week. So, yeah, I like the Dolphins to, uh, to pad their stats, put up some big numbers here and cover that number in Washington.
Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Joined by Joe Osborne, Covers.com here on BetQL Daily. We were talking Jets earlier, Joe, because the big news around the NFL yesterday, obviously Aaron Rodgers returning to practice. Um, But the Jets, short home dogs this week to the 5-6 and Falcons. And when talking about whether Rodgers comes back or not, we looked at the next few weeks and what they have to do to set themselves up to be in a position where, as Aaron Rodgers has said, hey, we've got to be, we've got to still be in it if I'm going to come back and play at some point this season. They would have to win two of their next three. This would seem to be, if they're able to pull it off, maybe one of those spots where they could do it. Like I said, at home against a Falcons team that has been wildly up and down. Uh, not just at the quarterback position, but really all over. So how do you handicap the Jets as, again, short home dogs this week against Atlanta? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to win this one, if they're going to cover the spread, but uh, their offense is actually getting worse, guys. So I'm going to take the under on their team total of 16 and a half. It's a low number. I don't think it's low enough, though. They're averaging just 10 points per game over their last five games. Their offense has scored three touchdowns. In these five games, shockingly, Tim Boyle is not the answer at quarterback. I don't think anyone could be the answer at quarterback behind that awful no. offensive line. Uh, and they are just got awful in two key areas. They are worst in the NFL uh, in third down offense and red zone offense. Uh, just completely atrocious. And those are two strengths for the Falcons defense. They're in the top six in both uh, third down defense, red zone defense. They're pretty good at pressuring the quarterback here as well so yeah i would be they're not going to score more than one touchdown in this game maybe they kick a couple field goals here as well but yeah i'll take the under on their team total of 16 and a half game of the week 49ers and eagles this number has moved around a little bit at the start of the week currently at bet mgm it's holding steady at 49ers minus three Is there a good time to pounce on a number that you are expecting it to either land on or at least touch at some point this week? Uh, I I just like the Eagles here as an underdog. Obviously, if you could have got them at that three, that would have been the time to jump on it. I don't know if we're going to see that again, but I love them as an underdog. And I, I expect them to win this game 
Outright. Now, a big knock on the Eagles is uh, you look at their statistics, and they're statistically they're not as good as the other top teams in the league, but they're such just such an extremely clutch team. They keep themselves in these games, or they're going to be in a position to win towards the end of these games. They're fantastic on third down, best in the league. That tush-push, it cannot be stopped. Everyone knows it's coming, and... I don't think there's a team in the league that's going to go into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles outright. And I know they've had a tough schedule here. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. People might think they're going to take their foot off the gas. I don't think that's going to be the case for this game. There's a lot of trash talk leading up to it. So uh, they're going to be edgy coming into this game. And uh, I expect them to win it outright, but I'll play it a little bit safer. I'll take them to cover the uh, short spread there at plus two and a half. Speaking of the Chiefs, they are six-point favorites at the Packers. I'm curious your thoughts on this matchup because there's a trend here. We all know the Chiefs have been struggling in the second half. Do you see that trend continuing this week? Yeah, this has made my favorite spot to bet all season long. It's a weird bet, but uh, the Chiefs' second half under, it has hit in every single one of their games this season. It's gone 11-0 if you take the under in the second half. Other games, uh, it's quite shocking. They're 31st in second-half scoring. The Jets are averaging more second-half points than the Kansas City Chiefs here. Um, So this one has a total of 20.5 for the second half versus the Packers. You know, I'd prefer to get that on the other side of 21. But uh, Chiefs' second half this season, they're only averaging 14.7 points. So I'll play it again. Uh, It's a trend that keeps on giving. So hopefully that will continue here in Week 13. Let me turn to the NBA quickly, Joe. Uh, Joe Osborne, Covers.com, joining us here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Um, we saw Phoenix's seven-game winning streak snapped last night in Toronto. Uh, we saw both Jokic and Murray come back for the Nuggets, and Denver look like Denver. Pretty dominant win for them as they led by a wide margin throughout. We saw the Pelicans take advantage of no Joel Embiid uh, down in New Orleans. CJ McCollum came back and looked really good, too. Uh, a nice night for Zion as well. A big one out West tonight. The The Warriors are hosting the Clippers. Handicap this one for me. It's the first of a, of a home and home here this weekend between the Clips and the Warriors. Yeah, I like the Clippers plus five. I think it's too many points. Yeah, the, the Warriors probably should be favored here at home. They are traditionally much better on their home court. But you take a look at these teams over the, the past couple of weeks, over the last 10 games for each of them. Uh, the Warriors are shooting it a little bit better, but that's about it. Uh, they're playing very sloppy basketball right now. They're allowing a lot of free throws. The Clippers are a team that gets to the free throw line quite a bit. They're playing much better defense than the Warriors right now. And they're starting to figure it out and put the pieces together since James Harden joined the team. Obviously, that got off to an awful start, but here they are at five and two in their last seven. Uh, some quality wins. And there as well, they beat the Kings, they beat the Mavs, they beat the Rockets, who are shockingly a good team this season. Meanwhile, look at Golden State. They're 2-8 and eight. in their last 10 games. They have wins versus the Spurs. We won't give them a big pat on the back for that. And they did beat the Rockets by, I think it was five points. But against quality teams in that spin, they've lost to the Cavs. They lost to the Nuggets. They lost to the T-Wolves twice. They lost to the Thunder twice. They lost to the Suns and they lost to the Kings. So they're not hanging. With good teams, it's starting to look like that championship window. Uh, it's 
getting pretty close to being shut there for Golden State. So they might win outright, but I think it's going to be a tight game. So I think uh, the Clippers plus five is a safe bet there. As far as uh, some of the bigger surprises of this early NBA season, uh, certainly the Orlando Magic uh, with all that young talent uh, certainly is one. Maybe the Timberwolves might be another one. Certainly a team that we thought, okay, you know, they might be all right, you know, make the playoffs, all that stuff. 13-4 and to start the season. Now they're hosting the Utah Jazz, really struggling on the road, uh, the Jazz happen to be. Timberwolves laying 10.5 here with a total of 221.5. Any plays on this one? Uh, no, nothing for that game, man. When, when you see these, these big spreads, I do like to, uh, lean more towards the underdog, but you obviously need more stats to back it up and digging into that one. There was nothing that really popped out to me in that game. Uh, the T-Wolves are absolutely flying. You know, you have a guy like Rudy Gobert that people like to pick on a little bit and he does bring some of that onto himself. Obviously, but you can't knock how they're playing. Who knows if that will translate over to the playoffs here. But, yeah, they should win this one. But, man, that that is a lot of points. So uh, I'll be steering clear of that game. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is actually playing better than he did last year. I'm just curious also, like, the Orlando Magic on an eight-game winning streak? You know, second in the East, is this kind of, like, cute story, but you can't keep it up? Or what's sort of your overall thoughts on what Orlando's doing right now? No, I I think they're a playoff team. You know, it's kind of like a same version of uh, the OKC Thunder. They've been picking at or near the top of the draft for about, what, half a decade, six, seven years now. (laughs) So... It, you know, they're they're hitting on some of these guys and, you know, they don't have any players on their team who's a, a top 10 player in the NBA by any means, but they have a lot of good players and they got good coaching and they're bringing it all together to form a good team here. Uh, so, yeah, Orlando, it is a good story. I do think it will continue. Uh, you're not going to see a whole lot more value on them betting wise. You know, they're 18 games into their season right now, so uh, you're not going to be able to get them as, as a big dog very often anymore but yeah I do think they're a good team uh you look at some of these teams though the Detroit Pistons two and 16 I didn't expect them to be a playoff team but I thought they'd be a little bit better than that you know they bring in a new coach they've had some good drafts here but uh yeah they absolutely stink but uh it's been a fun (laughs) season I think the interesting tournament uh has been a pretty good addition gave the gave the uh season a little bit of juice here so far Great stuff, Joe. Joe Osborne, Covers.com. He gave you some of those wonderful trends for Week 13 around the NFL. He's got more waiting for you on the Steelers, Lions, and Titans as well at Covers.com. Coming up next, we take a look at some Survivor plays alongside Ed and Aaron. Chris Mack in for Joe on BetQL Daily. Alongside Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth, Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski today. Tomorrow, Monday as well here on BetQL Daily, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app. It's free. Download it today and take us with you wherever you're going, whatever you're up to, especially the holiday season. You want to take BetQL with you as you're uh, going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house. Um, I mean, if, unless Jane Fonda's your grandma, in which hopefully case isn't hanging Thank out with my much. sons, Chris. <laughs> you don't want to walk in on that. Oh, God. No. Oh. no. Grandma. 
I actually, I actually wow. had uh, a school chum once who did that. Like walked in on the grandparents, and oh, I don't know what he's up to. Yeah, I'm dead serious. He's in counseling. Dead That's serious. what he's up to. That yeah, this was like twenty some odd years ago. Still in he's therapy. Still working that out. Yeah. yeah, still working that one right. out. He's just permanently on the therapist's couch. I'm happy <laughs> take for us with you. As you're headed to Grammy and Pat Pat house. <laughs> Inside your Odyssey app. And of course, you can watch us on twitch.tv slash betql and on YouTube. Go to the Odyssey Sports channel. Uh, let's talk Survivor this week because I don't know. Your Survivor pick may be right there in front of you tonight with the Cowboys against the Seahawks. There are some big spreads out there this week. Another nine and a half on the Dolphins in Washington against the Commanders. You got the Jags laying eight and a half against the Bengals. The most bet in uh, Joe O's survivor poll, Steelers, Bucks, Texans right now. Um, split between the Chargers and Jags as well. Not a lot of Cowboys, Dolphins, or Chiefs, though. Um, so let's talk survivor, Ed. Um, what are you looking at? I know we mentioned Dolphins earlier. That came up at one point. Can't remember if our conversation was on the air or off. That's my survivor play this week is Miami laying the nine and a half at Washington. Joe Osborne just brought it up from covers.com. That offense really clicking, really humming, going up against that defense. Eesh. Um, at the very least, we'll see the scoreboard lit up, and I think that favors Miami. How do you still have Miami available uh, if you've gotten this far? That's probably my question here. Like, Miami has been a massive favorite in several games up to this point uh, where they were almost a free space. So uh, kudos to you to yeah. have them, A, being you know here this long, that's impressive. But then also having Miami available, definitely that would be a fantastic pick if that's available to you. Uh, I had taken the Dolphins a long time ago, so uh, that's not an option for me. And really a lot of these favorites we're talking about have been teams I've already chosen in some way, shape, or form. So a lot of these spreads really aren't indicative when it comes to what I can do here in week 13. Now, the way that I built my model uh, for the newcomers here is that I do have circa rules where I make a pick for the Thanksgiving slate of games and for the Christmas slate of games. And so for the most part, even with some of these favorites, I'm not taking them just because I might need them for, say, the Christmas slate, something like that. So that would nullify, say, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are six-point favorites against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, I think the Ravens, uh, you know, that's another team that I've, I've sort of waited upon in terms of when to take them just so I have a backup plan. Uh, but as far as this week is concerned, already took the Cowboys, the Jaguars have already taken. So I'm kind of running out of options here. But for this week, it's an oldie but goodie survivor process. I am backing the Steelers this week against the Arizona Cardinals. I know that's kind of what we looked at in terms of early Survivor Week games where whomever Arizona's playing, you take them and you feel good about it. Well, now I think we can return to this process because there's no good reason for the Cardinals to have been blasted by the LA Rams. None. There was no reason that should have happened. So, A, I have some concerns about what the Cardinals are looking like going forward. And not only that, but... The Cardinals all season long, they've just been bereft of talent at a lot of key spots. And over the course of a season, you're going to see that more and more. Kyler Murray 
Love the guy. I think he can be a top 10 quarterback in the league. He has nobody to throw to, doesn't have the protection, any of those things. And so Steelers should be in good shape there. And also, too, Pat Fryermuth is healthy now. Like, I think we forget yeah. that the problems that he experienced earlier in the year, like now he's starting to come to his own. And now he's in an offensive structure that I think is more tailor-made to his overall talent. And I think Kenny Pickett needs that safety valve. And now that he has it, I think this offense can hum a little bit more. And so you add up all of those options. Yeah, I can understand the Bucks, but without Frank Reich, it's possible that he may have been the problem. So there's too much variance there. But I think the Steelers would make a good play here, Aaron. Yeah, I like it. And this per the athletic, Arizona gives up the second most points per, per game and is the only team in the top five in both passing and rushing touchdowns allowed. <laughs> Plus, mm -hmm. a narrative I cannot wait to ask Chris Mack about. The shackles are <laughs> off. Matt Canada is gone. I mean, this Steelers offense is unleashed now, Chris. Sure. Uh, 16 points against the Bengals. It's it's humming. No, I, I do think there are reasons for optimism you know ed brought up the return of pat fryermuth which is huge for them utilizing the middle of the field as you saw against cincinnati this past sunday and giving kenny pickett that safety valve that security blanket that he needs when he feels like he needs to check it down fryermuth's going to be there more often than not um I, I do think the other thing that's kind of flying under the radar for what's worked for the steelers offense even in the last couple of weeks before Matt Canada was fired, is the run game. Jalen Warren is legitimately pushing Najee Harris for playing time. Najee Harris responds down in Cincinnati and has a 99-yard day on the ground. The offensive line is doing a, a slightly better job of protecting Kenny Pickett, but is absolutely doing a better job in the run game. They've focused on more inside gap blocking schemes, opening things up and allowing Najee Harris to run downhill rather than some of that outside zone running that they were doing earlier in the year. Um, it, it's all coming together for them, the 400-yard day for the first time and how long against Cincinnati this past weekend too. And it sets up, look at the two opponents you have coming up, Arizona, New England, then you've got a trip to Indy. They've got a chance here to really get the ball rolling downhill I like the Steelers. I think it's a great play as a survivor pick this week because I think the ball will continue to roll downhill. The only things that give me pause or give me caution as it relates to the Steelers hosting the Cardinals is what they like to call here in Western Pennsylvania the Tomlin special. Mike Tomlin has at least one game every year where his team goes out, looks unprepared, and plays down to the level of competition. That happens sometimes for every team. I don't think it's unique to Mike Tomlin. Um, I think there's a question about Kyler Murray getting his sea legs under him, knocking some rust off. James Conner coming back to Pittsburgh, a kid from Erie who went to Pitt, played for the Steelers for a couple of years, maybe wants to prove some things, but that's about all I have. I mean, there's not, as Ed pointed out here, a lot to go on with the Cardinals um, and the Steelers laying five and a half, that's an interesting number given their lack of ability to generate offense. I don't know if they win by six or more. That would that might feel uncomfortable for a lot of teams to only win by three or four against Arizona. But given the Steelers offense and the way they play defense, that may just be the way. It, this might be another 
16 to 10 kind of game, 16 to 13 kind of game where despite the low score, the Steelers are in control for the bulk of, of the day, Ed. And, and that's what I think this, the Steelers can score 16 points again this week. And I think people mm-hmm. given how they get to 16 points could still feel all right about it because it's another baby step in the right direction. The, the more important thing when it comes to analyzing what the Steelers look like this past Sunday is the yardage, the EPA per play, all those advanced metrics, the 16 points. I wouldn't worry too much about that because if you may be having red zone troubles, well, guess what? Everybody's having red zone troubles. So it's not exactly like you should be expecting, you know, hanging 40 just because you have 400 plus yards. Like, I think that's Uh, Not exactly realistic, but when it comes to what to expect from the Steelers going forward, I get that it is a dangerous exercise to play with small sample size. Like, okay, well, Pat Fryermuth is healthy now. Matt Canada is out. He should have been out a long time ago. What was the holdup? Why did it take so long? And yes, this is a different offense, but you have to factor in the fact that it's not going to change all that much. Personnel can be healthier, and that's fantastic. But just because you have a switch at offensive coordinator and play caller doesn't necessarily mean that you are having an overhaul. You're pretty much stuck with what you have, and that matters a great deal. And I'm curious, too, Chris, your opinion on, say, like a Deontay Johnson. He really hasn't hit his stride over the last few games, but it does seem like if the Steelers are going to be a legit contender to win the division, maybe make a little bit of a run in the playoffs, doesn't he need to be performing a little bit better than he has over the last few games? I mean, he's certainly got to be more engaged than he was on that fumble that he just stood there and watched, right? You are uh, I mean, kidding. <laughs> the, the problem with, with Deontay Johnson is that – He's he's playing the position of of wide receiver one in this offense, right? Despite the fact that everybody, including the guys who are now running the offense, understand that George Pickens should be the f- focus in the pass game. If you're looking to really eat up chunks of yardage, if you're looking to play it safe, check it down, look for that security blanket. Uh, as I referenced Pat Fryermuth earlier, Fryermuth is going to eat up those targets. Fryermuth coming back and being as effective as he was is not a good thing for the for for Deontay Johnson numbers. So the other thing like I said is that they're leaning into the run game. They're going to they're, they're going to run more 13 personnel. They've talked about it all week that they like getting three tight ends out there together because all three tight ends can catch the ball and at least one or two of them can block. They've got the kid from Georgia, Darnell Washington who acts like an extra tackle at times. So I I I do think that it's it's not good for Deontay Johnson numbers. I don't think that Pat Fryermuth is back and is again connecting on that level with uh, with Kenny Pickett as that sort of security blanket. So as we look at other survivor options, Jags laying eight and a half against those same Bengals that we just got done talking about, gave up 400 yards of offense to the Steelers last week, Aaron. Um, where, where do you, is that a viable option for you? Jacksonville against the Cincinnati team that kind of feels like they've, they've cashed out to a certain extent now that Joe Burrow is done for the year. Exactly. doesn't it seem like they're almost like a non-factor moving forward without Joe Burrow. If you still have the Jags available and you've made it this far and haven't used them, they're more than a touchdown favorite. And I think 
you know, the defense has been a season long problem for the Bengals on top of the fact the quarterback is out for the rest of the season. There's just a lot of problems with this Bengals team. I think they're done put a fork in them. And I think the Jags are definitely a safe play here on Monday night football. Yeah, there's that's if if you've worked through a lot of these other options in Survivor and you're still alive and you're looking for one that makes sense, Jacksonville, I definitely think, is a play. Um, we like to take a look at different stat leader opportunities as well, Ed, and I know you've crunched the numbers. You're excellent at that. So what do you like in week 13? So I actually want to start with a question for Aaron here because she brought up one that I really, really love and I'm about ready to pull the trigger and tail it. I just have one question here. And it was this notion about Stefan Diggs finishing as the league leader in receiving touchdowns. Josh Allen is the favorite for finishing the, the season with passing touchdowns passing. as the, with having mm-hmm. the most passing touchdowns. So that does seem to be a discrepancy, right? Like Stefan Diggs, wide receiver one, not the favorite, but you're getting some good hashtag value, but Josh Allen is the favorite. And so one thing that I looked at is, okay, why is there this discrepancy? Is it possible that as they start to evolve to two tight end personnel, that maybe it's distributing the football just a little bit more and relying on the tight ends a little bit more once they get into the red zone? I feel like that might be the only path where Diggs doesn't hit, but Josh Allen does. And I'm Aaron and Aaron, I'm curious if say that is a path that you've also considered, because I think that's just the one way where both don't happen. Yeah, I mean, it is something I considered, but I think the fact that he was only two touchdowns behind Tyreek Hill, and I looked at the secondaries. Mm-hmm that um, the Bills face versus the Dolphins and the Dolphins face tougher defenses for the remaining schedule than the Bills do. So I thought, you know, because of this discrepancy, obviously my antenna went up like, okay, Josh Allen is the favorite for passing touchdowns. Clearly all those touchdowns are not going to Stephon Diggs. I mean, I'm not a dummy, but you know, he does (laughs) have some games where he has three touchdowns and some where he has zero. So I'm kind of hoping on, you know, he will be able to get there and it was a value play because he's not the favorite. And what was it? Nine to one, something like that yesterday. Yeah. So I thought that, you know, it's a good play considering he's only two back. If you're looking for a dark horse there too, Cortland Sutton, five touchdown catches in the last six games is Denver maybe is starting to figure some things out. I don't know. It's down the board a bit. Mm-hmm. Parker Fleming joins us in 20 minutes to talk college football with conference championships upon us. But coming up next, I told you about Ed crunching the numbers. He's got some good ones for us. Let's be sharper. Next, right here on BetQL Daily. Class is now in session. Let's start with a pop quiz, shall we? Professor Eddie Gross is here to help you with your bets. Who you play where you've played them, at what point during the season you've played them. Being able to put all of that in context is really important. Let's be sharper about this on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. And we just got done talking about receiving touchdowns, future props and leaders in that realm uh we've talked about quarterbacks a good bit this morning with Dak and Gino going up against each other tonight so let's look at the people that try to stop 
those quarterbacks and receivers with Professor Egros. Ed, let's be sharper when we look at pass coverages and let's power rank them. Yeah, let's do it. It's interesting, though, when we talk about pass coverages and say, like, specific defensive backs trying to figure out, okay. Obviously, one of the big stories of the NFL is Deron Bland with all of these pick sixes. He didn't start the season at cornerback for the Cowboys. So why does he have all these pick sixes? Is it because he's really, really good and the Cowboys made a mistake? Or are all of the other defensive backs really, really good and you're just taking the lesser of a few evils? It is difficult to actually quantify best pass coverages, but... There are ways to do it with advanced metrics, looking above and beyond, just say yards allowed, things like that. So let's look at a couple of different metrics metrics to figure out who the best pass coverages are, where they come from. Because football is often based on decisions and reputations. No one metric is going to encapsulate overall talent, but let's piece together a few of these advanced numbers and get a better idea of which secondaries reign supreme. One way to think about pass defense is which offenses aren't even going to try? Which teams would normally attempt to pass based upon down and distance, but they aren't because they know it's going to lead to disaster? Well, when we look at the lowest pass rates over expected from Sumer Sports, we see the Jets leading the way, the Cleveland Browns, the Colts, the Packers, and the Cardinals. When we look at these top five uh, pass coverages, when it comes to lowest pass rates over expected, we see that, look, not every defense is elite, right? Like sometimes it's just overall game script that's saying, okay, well, we're not going to pass. We're going to run the football just because we already have a lead. We don't need to worry about those kinds of things, whatever. But when we look at this list, we see the Jets there, the Browns there, the Packers there. Those are three pass defenses where we can say with certainty that they're pretty doggone good. And offenses look at that reputation. They look at the looks. They know the talent. They say, you know what? We'd rather just run the football and try to move the sticks that way because we are afraid of the disaster that may be incurred if we go up against them. So that's one way to look at good pass coverages where the reputation is such to where, you know what? We're, we're not going to deal with it. We're, we're just going to run the ball. So there is that. Mm -hmm. Next, when the opportunities for these defenses are given to make a play against the pass, who's consistent and makes the splashiest plays? So we can look at expected points added aloud per pass when filtering out garbage time. This isn't decision-based, but what it does tell us is who's just effective when the pass is thrown. Uh, say getting interceptions or pass breakups or things like that. When we look at that list, we see the Ravens, the Browns, the Jaguars, the 49ers, and the Chiefs. So we look at that list and we see, all right, well, Ravens, Browns, 49ers, Chiefs. We feel pretty good that those pass defenses are pretty solid. The Jaguars might be the biggest question just because it's the pass rush that we respect the most. And so EPA per pass allowed it's not going to tell us a whole heck of a lot. So that's another metric where, yeah, we get closer to the truth, but we do have to put some things in context. Then the last thing, which defenses make passes the toughest based upon a variety of factors like air distance, distance from the sideline, target uh, separation. When we look at lowest completion percentage over expected per next-gen stats, we see the Browns, the Cowboys, the Saints, the Steelers, 
and the Giants. So when we piece these factors together, we know the Browns are going to be successful in terms of coverage, but the Chiefs are popping up a good bit too. The Cowboys have been fantastic. The Packers, despite uh, some recent injuries, they've been really, really good. And also too, the Steelers have been really good in terms of pass coverage. And so it's important that we kind of piece together a lot of these different metrics to get a better idea of who's great in pass coverage. And that means when we're betting on these games, maybe look at those under team totals when those offenses have to go up against elite pass coverages. It may not be obvious in terms of yards because game script might suggest, hey, look, yeah, they're giving up a bunch of yards, but also look at what they're doing in terms of splash plays. How often in neutral game scripts are they forcing an offense just to run the ball a good bit more? Doing a little bit of digging will go a long way as, as to figuring out which teams have the best pass coverages. So this is where I want to start. This is fantastic, Ed, um, because mm-hmm. we talked so much earlier about the Cowboys Seahawks tonight, and I brought up the idea of Geno's passing yards prop at 230 and a half. And we mentioned it's one of the mm-hmm. most bet unders at BetMGM today um, for tonight's game. I mentioned the over. We're talking about, once again, Dallas's pass coverage. When you start to filter out some of the statistic noise, still being one of the best in the league, if not the best in some people's opinions. But how are, you, how are we weighing that then against what we know, when you talk about game script, should lead the Seahawks to working from behind and wanting to throw the ball more? Uh, it, th- this is where I start to take half a step back on that Geno prop that I mentioned earlier and go, hmm. Well, the noise is filtered out. Statistically, maybe this still is an under. Maybe the public's right on this prop. I do like what the public is saying, specifically when it comes to that prop. But there are alternatives, right? You can look at pass attempts and expect them to go over there. That probably is a better look because at least when it comes to what the game will dictate, like there are different paths to get to that, right? Like let's say we're all dead wrong and Seattle makes this a ball game. Well, one of the ways they do that is that Geno Smith is playing out of his mind, just having a fantastic outing, which can certainly happen. We've seen it from him. And the pass attempts will go over that. It's also possible that the Cowboys are playing really, really well. Seattle just can't move the ball. But because of game script, they will have to pass a good bit more. And so to me, this is a great exercise as far as adjusting which props to look at. Like, it's not so much this massive paradigm shift where you're thinking about an offense differently. It's just what Mm -hmm. props do you want to attack? It's specifically when it comes to this game, I believe that the Cowboys have great pass coverage, right? Like, and it's not just Jerron Bland. It's everybody. Bland gets these opportunities for pick sixes because all of his other friends in that secondary also play really, really well. Mentioned completion percentage over expected allowed. Cowboys are second in this department, and they could move up to number one given the injuries that the Browns are dealing with. So you put all of that together and you say, all right, maybe the yards won't be there for Geno Smith, but the attempts will still be there. The opportunities can be a good bit stickier from one game to the next than, say, the yards themselves. So, yeah, I looked at attempts uh, earlier this morning, 33 and a half for Geno Smith. What scared me off is against some better defenses like the Niners, like the Ravens, 
27 and 28 pass attempts. I don't know how mm. he got to 37 mm. against the Browns, but that scared me off. Is like, listen, there's a little inconsistency here. Yeah, I get how he had 47 against the commanders who are the worst, but it, it, the fact that his numbers and pass attempts are a little up and down, I would even look under 33 and a half. I mean, there's a chance well, yeah. it's over, no. but it doesn't feel like a lock to me. That number too, Aaron, 30, 33 and a half. And I, I, I just found it at 34 and a half it, it, somewhere else was mm. it's right on, it's right on his, not just his average for the last seven weeks when we've talked about Gino struggling, but the median as well, 34 bang. That number is spot on Sharp number. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Ed, I mean, th- but this is where we come back around to, you know, this is why we're talking about the coverages that, that he's facing and filtering out some of that statistic noise that you talked about and looking at, you know, taking out garbage time. Yeah, Gino might get to 34, 35 attempts, but you're sitting there watching this game tonight and as Seattle's offense struggles and they're down, the other part of it is, you know, Pete Carroll's not going to panic if he's down a score. He's still going to lean into what he believes his game plan should be. Maybe he does keep turning around, handing it off to Zach Charbonnet and says, hey, we're only down by a score. We're only down by a score. But at a certain point, if Seattle wants to win, they got to throw the ball. That's where the attempts comes back in, as you pointed out. Absolutely, it does. And Aaron, when you're talking about other games, I think what also matters in terms of putting everything into context is what was the other offense doing? Were they running the ball a good bit and winding the clock down to where Seattle had fewer possessions, fewer opportunities? Because if that's the case, one of the things that we all agreed upon is that the Cowboys are going to continue to try and score a good bit with passes. Maybe those are incompletions. They stop the clock. Or maybe they're scoring quick touchdowns to where Seattle is in this massive hole. And if that's the case, the only way they can get out of it is by passing in a good bit more. And so it's possible that, like, not all games are created equal where, okay, in terms of, like, the pass-to-run ratio, it's very much leaning through the air a good bit more. The problem is, okay, how much time is left? How many more drives and opportunities will Geno Smith have? And that's why I think specifically in this game, the overpass attempts might make sense. Well, I also thought about, you know, the Seahawks played the Browns about a month ago and Geno Smith has arguably gotten a lot worse since then. That was a close 24-20 game. There wasn't a lot of running game by the Browns. Kareem Hunt, 55 yards was the highest. I wouldn't say that was a Hmm. big rushing game by them, but I do think Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense fell off a bit of a cliff since then. Yeah. (laughs) One other thing to take a look at. Ed, you mentioned the Chiefs and the Packers in coverage Mm -hmm. in in, in your breakdown. They play each other Sunday night. And we talked about with Mm. Joe Osborne earlier, the Chiefs' second half struggles. That's that's one to keep an eye on, not just for props, but for team totals and game totals as well. 42 and a half right now, Kansas City and Green Bay, Sunday night. We pivot towards mm-hmm. the conference championships in college football. Coming up next, our man Parker Fleming at Stats O'War on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Bleep those sponsors. Our guy Parker Fleming covers college football. He's got a ton of analysis for us on where we should go this weekend. That coming up next alongside Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack on BetQL Daily.